Blog Talk Radio. Won't you stand in your greatness? Good morning and welcome to the Nurtured Heart Approach November podcast. I'm Katherine Stafford. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in private practice. I'm in Washington State where I'm also a Nurtured Heart Approach advanced trainer, counselor, and author. I am delighted to be co-hosting again with my friend Howard Glasser who is joining us from Tucson, Arizona. Howard is the creator of the Nurtured Heart Approach and he is chairman of the Children's Success Foundation. Good morning, Howie. Hi, Katherine. Great to be here. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm getting ready for a big trip. Where are you going? I'm going to India. You're Nurtured going to Heart India. Approach. Nurtured Heart Approach has reached India, and we uh, I get to teach to a conference of headmasters of uh, really uh, great private schools there. So we're going to reach an interesting slice of the population. And, and then we get to teach at a school. Uh, I get to teach along with Sandeep and Joanne Woodard. Um, from the Sally B. Howard School for two days, wow. uh, a staff that's already been using the approach for at least a year. They have Very got excited. to be so excited to, to have you there. Have you been to India before, or is this a new adventure for you? I have, but this time I get to share it with my daughter, Alice. What? So I am tickled that she's oh. going to be with me. How much fun is that going to be? Wow. Well, congratulations and good luck on your journey, and I know you are going to inspire new levels of greatness in India. How fun. Have a great, safe trip. I will give it my best shot. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, Howie, I was thinking this morning as I was writing down November, we just passed one year. We had our one-year anniversary with our podcast. Congratulations, Catherine. It's been a marvelous year. It just uh, blows me away that each each uh, month, podcast is better than ever, and, and this month won't be an exception, will it? I don't think it will be, and I, you know, I know it won't be, be, and I wanted to thank you for letting me share this journey with you. I really appreciate being a part of this, and I want us to both publicly take a moment to thank Jan Hunter, who is our producer, and she is the driving force behind this show. She is the inspiration. She's the execution, so shout out to Jan Hunter, who I'm sure is blushing behind the scenes right now, but thank you, thank you, Jan, for all that you well, do. Dan is, the, you know, the way this happened, if, to remind you, is you said something that sparked this whole thing, and I simply took that spark and put it on great kindling, so to speak, because right. I, I talked to Jan, and Jan went, yes, I've been waiting for this. Right. <laughs> and the great Jan Hunter just took this and ran with it and continues to r- run with it, and has is just uh, visionary in seeing this grow. And, you know, a podcast like today uh, on this subject of, um, you know, the, uh, which I'll let you introduce in a second, is um, it has the potential to go uh, viral, to, to right. be put on YouTube and to be, you know, uh, to be, have an enormous impact on the world uh, uh, that it pertains to. Right. I, I agree 100%. So before I introduce our guest, which I will do in just a moment, 
I need to take the time to thank our listeners listening live, listening when it's archived later today. Um, thank you so much for your time, and we know this is going to be a short a story that's going to um, just inspire you immensely. So today we're going to talk about Nurture Heart Approach and Adoption. We have two amazing warriors for children on our, on our guest panel today. The first guest I would like to introduce is Julie Gello. Julie is the legal mother to, get this, 16 children, ranging in age from 8 to 47. She and her husband Lynn live close by me in Washington State with their youngest six children. They were licensed foster parents for 22 years. Eleven of the children that they've adopted have been diagnosed either with fetal alcohol syndrome or related conditions. She's a certified advanced trainer of the Nurture Heart Approach. She is executive director of the Washington State Affiliate um, for, let's see, Washington State Affiliate to the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. She's co-founder of the FAS Friend FASD Community Support Network. She is Continuing Education Coordinator for the Alliance for Child Welfare Excellence, and she presents um, workshops and trainings throughout the U.S., Canada, and Europe. I'm humbled to be in her presence. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Julie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Our next amazing guest is a return guest that we've had on the show before, Sarah Howe. Sarah is a practicing certified school psychologist, an advanced trainer in the Nurture Heart Approach. She is currently serving as the president of North Dakota Association of School Psychologists. Her passion and experience have led her to being invited to train businesses, education, coaching families and individuals to be more intentional in relationship. She has created a TEDx talk and is the author of two children's books that inspire greatness. She is the mother of four children two of whom have previously been in therapeutic foster care, and she knows firsthand what it means to do this approach like your life depends on it. Good morning, Sarah, and thank you so much for coming back today. Good morning. I'm delighted to be here also. I can't wait to get started on talking about this topic that's near and dear to my heart. I, I know it is, and I was thinking about your topic today, and I, I think really for me this this show, like Howie mentioned, this is a show of hope, this is a show of inspiration, and that is going to come from the two of you. So I just really want to open it up. Thank you so much for sharing your very, very personal experiences today, and I'm just going to turn it over to you. Maybe, Sarah, if you could start with telling us a little bit about your journey into adoption. Sure. I think, you know, we all start at a place um, – you know, when we even think about foster care or adoption, we started a place of wanting um, to do more. And I think that's where my husband and I started out, too, is we wanted to do more. And we were led um, both on a personal level and a faith level that this is what we wanted to do. And then when you move forward and realize that more um, means that you're working with children from trauma and that it's maybe it feels like more than you bargained mm-hmm. for, it's easy to become extremely overwhelmed um, and feel a sense of hopelessness, feel a sense of crushing that, wow, I signed up for something, and why do I feel this way? Why do I want it to all end? And, and that's where we were at with, with our adoption process um, when we, two of our children came in, Caleb and Chloe, and just feeling like, wow, we can't do this. Uh, how are we going to do this? And when you take on somebody else's um, trauma, it, it, it impacts everyone in the family. We have two biological children that that are impacted by the adoption, also. And I think it's the, you know, it's looking at the big picture and feeling, as as a mom, feeling like a failure, and then as a professional, um, I come as a school psychologist, feeling like, wow, what am I bringing to the table? Why is this not working? Right. And so, 
you know, that's where I was gifted. And really it was a gift um, to be gifted the nurtured heart approach um, because we were ready to stop everything. We were ready to stop the adoption. I, I was kind of done. I was exhausted. I was fatigued. I I couldn't even really think right. Um, and then to be able to have somebody gift me with something that I can do today, which is what the nurtured heart approach is, it's so practical. You don't have to have a bazillion degrees behind your name to be able to do this approach. You don't have to be even looking at adoption. You can just be, you know, maybe you have a family member that's come from trauma. You can use it anywhere with anybody. It just happens to work so beautifully um, with adoptive children, um, especially with children from trauma. And that's where, you know, for us, you know, our journey, you know, today, and I shared this earlier, but Today is our five-year anniversary. Five years ago, I'll get choked up, we stood in front of the judge and said, well, they, they will be ours. They are our family. We will take all of them. They, he is my son. He is, she is my daughter. And that's, today is our five-year anniversary. And I have to look back and celebrate and go, I never imagined that the cloud would be away from my eyes and that I'd see clearer again and that I'd, I'd feel like there was like almost joy in my step again and mm-hmm. that's that's what this process has been for me is the light gets brighter every moment I walk in that direction so mm. yeah it, you know my mm-hmm. it, to tell you kind of where we are at both of my children came with lots of mental health diagnoses you know right. the big kind of the I call them the big dog ones the reactive attachment disorder but also depression anxiety the whole mix they came on psychotropic medication, which often our kids from foster care come because the behavior gets so intense that we're like, do something and do something now, and so we medicate. And I don't blame people for doing that. I I was one of those moms that was like, give me more. Um, What else can you do? I can't handle this. Um, Because when you don't know how to wield intensity, intensity is overwhelming. And when you know how to channel it and direct it, and and you have a path, you then become in relationship rather than feeling like you have to constantly control another human being. Um, and that's that's a shift to be, I'm in relationship with these two lovely people that I call my children, um, and we have four, but it, it's just that shift that it doesn't have to be about controlling anymore. And as we walked in this journey, both of my children came off all medication, both of my children came out of all therapeutic intervention, which I love because therapy was never designed to be forever. Um, but unless we equip families to be that catalyst of change and support growth and change, it's got to be forever. And so this approach at such a practical level is able to meet the needs of regular people, <laughs> parents who are in the thick of it and able to go okay i can i can i can do this and don't have to be tied forever to the mental health system and i love Mm. i work with therapists i work with psychologists i they bring so much to the table but you don't want to be spending 15 20 years constantly every week every other week being connected to these people you want to see hope you want to see growth you want to see freedom you want the cloud to come away so you can see clearer as a family and move forward in your healing. Sarah, once um, w- uh, once we introduce uh, Julie, I would like to come back to sure. um, 
trying to find. Um, uh, we'll do that now, but I, we'll come back to. I have a question about what do you think was different in the way you expressed yourself or parented that that kind of made the difference. If there was what essential differences, and maybe Julie could even uh, bring that into her introduction. I'm going to turn it over to Catherine to introduce Julie. That's fantastic, Kai. I was just penning the exact same question to come back to later. So uh, let's go ahead and jump over to Julian. Thank you for being patient, Julian. I would love to hear a little bit about how your story began into adoption because I know you have a large, amazing family, but I've never heard where it started. And, you know, I just I find it so, um, I don't know, it's like the stars align because, and I don't know if you all are aware of this, Sarah is, but how small our world actually is. You know, Catherine, you already mentioned that you and I live very close, you know, together. Right. And, you know, in this state of Washington, which is a pretty big state actually. Um, but even more, um, I think, touching is the fact that I grew up in North Dakota. I was born right. and raised mm. in North Dakota. And so Sarah lives very close to my dad and to my siblings and you know, I've been able to, you know, reconnect with my roots in that way as well. So that's really cool. And that's very I cool. also think that it's ironic or maybe again it's alignment of stars that, you know, Sarah and I were asked to be the guest speakers on the November podcast with when November is National Adoption Month. Yes. So yes. I think that that too is, you know, a very just a cool connection. We don't plan things like this. It just can happen. Mm. Um, auspicious. Yes. It's, yes. A, it's an auspicious occasion. Um, and then to go back to where my journey began, my husband and I were both married one time before. As you know, I just said, we both actually grew up in the Midwest. My husband's from Wisconsin. I'm from North Dakota. And we had both been married one time before, and our journeys took us to Minnesota, both of us, where we met. And so I had three children, he had three children, and 26 years ago then we got married and blended that family of six kids. Subsequently, very soon after that, we moved out here to the state of Washington. And while working for what's called a private agency in um, a couple of their programs, including some emergency crisis residential centers, which are were designed for 30-day maximum stays for teenagers. Just give the families a little bit of a break. Let's put services into place and get these, you know, families reunited. But in that context, there were in one shelter that I worked at, there were two teenage brothers. They were 13 and 15 at that point. And their social worker had been struggling for 90 days trying to find a foster home that would take them and keep them together. Now, that was back 1991, and my husband and I at that point were were operating on what I think now as being kind of naive and simplistic parenting, parenting philosophies. The first one was that since we had already raised six kids between the two of us and that they had seemed to be turning out okay, that must mean that we were really good parents and that we already had all of the tools and strategies and skills that were necessary to raise kids. And then we also thought and subscribed to the philosophy, which was well accepted 
back then, and that's that all it takes to raise a child is love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so Lynn and I in talking, we thought, okay, well, we're good parents. We've done this six times, you know, already. And we certainly have love to share. So why not take these two first, these two boys and bring them into our home as true, under the true definition of foster care, which is short-term, goal-oriented, temporary care. Right. And my husband, you know, was very clear back then. He said, Julie... We are only going to foster these two boys, and we're only going to foster them long enough for them to go home. And he said, because remember, we have a plan for our life, and our plan includes travel and savings and retirement. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll do that. That's totally fine. And the first two boys came to live with us in the end of 1991. Well... We've kind of already given the secret away because subsequently for the next 22 years, um, we continued fostering and we fostered, you know, 31 kids over those 22 years. One of them was our granddaughter. So we've actually been a relative placement, which is a whole kind of different um, model in some ways. And then of the other 30 children, um, again, subsequently, not in our original plan, we were not going to do anything permanent because that was the other thing that differed years ago was there were no special programs like foster to adopt. It was you either fostered or you adopted. I really didn't blend that into, mm. you know, a, a successive model, a successful model for the kids. But... Um, you know, we ended up then adopting 10 of those 30 foster children. And it also became apparent quite quickly that many of our um, of our kids had been prenatally exposed to alcohol and drugs. And not that I knew anything about it back in those days, mm-hmm. but, you know, when you're faced with something, you kind of are forced to, you know, to learn. But I remember very clearly one night, it had been a horrific day. I think I had had, you know, kids at multiple doctor appointments. Brandon was on a feeding tube. Um, he'd had a couple of seizures that day. Tessa was had um, was getting ready to have some additional skin grafting and cosmetic surgery for the third-degree burns that she came to us, you know, as a foster child with. And I was so overwhelmed. We had visits with, you know, biological parents that day. Behaviors were going through the roof. I was anxious, frustrated, depressed. And I remember sitting at that dining room table crying. And my husband came into the kitchen. He goes, what's wrong? And I said, Lynn, I can't do this anymore. I said, I cannot do this anymore. I said, I'm going to call their social workers tomorrow morning and I am going to tell them they got to come get these kids. I just can't do this anymore. And just at that moment, Tessa, who was probably six or so maybe at that point, called from the back bedroom and said, Mom, Mommy, I love you. Mm. And I remember mm. looking at my husband going, okay, okay, one more day. I'll do this one more day. <laughs> one more day. <laughs> right. And, 
And then the next day we had another pediatrician's appointment, and I reached out to our pediatrician and I said, I need help. What can what can I do? Where can I go? And he said, you know, I just read this really interesting book called Transforming the Difficult Child, mm. The Nurtured Heart Approach. And he said, Howie, Howard Glazer is coming to Seattle to do a one-day you know, training. Why don't we both go? He said, I'll go with you. And that wow. was... You know, kind of my step on through the path. Julie? Yes. Wow. 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 And and what was it like hearing about an alternative way to parent? I mean, maybe this will introduce, you know, how nurtured heart figures in this equation. Um, the, the, what a story! And and I'm it gave me hope. riveted by the because fact that you and Sarah have so much in common on this. So what was that like hearing that initially for you? It was it just gave me some hope. It was like okay, you know, maybe there is a a path, there is a model, there is something out there that can keep our family together. Because yeah. I didn't want to see these children disrupted and moved to another home. We loved them. You know, mm-hmm. we hadn't adopted them yet, but we loved them, and we wanted, you know, for them to stay with us as long as they needed to stay with us. It's interesting to me, Julie, as I was hearing your story and you were talking about Lynn and his encouragement of continuing your plan, and, you know, it was almost like he was saying, don't you fall in love with these kids? <laughs> and that's what I hear over and over is these vulnerable big-hearted children, and, and how can you not fall in love with them? You said right. something yeah. that I just heard from another family, which is, I can do one more day. And I'm thinking back to that yes. question, Howard, that we both meant, or we both thought of, which is, right. how do you take that heart of the adopted child, and how does a nurtured heart keep you present in that I can do one more day? And so maybe if you could take yeah. it that direction, Sarah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting. I, I love listening to Julie's story because there's so many parallels. It, mm-hmm. Although it's different, it's there's so many commonalities that, that we end up sharing in our stories. And for me, um, it wasn't the pediatrician. It was my special education director um, that introduced me to this. It wasn't even on my radar. And that mm-hmm. overwhelming feeling, same thing, that there could be hope. And I right. love the... You know, the whole uh, naive thinking, well, if we just have enough love, that should be enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but going back to, you know, I, I really, even today, five years later, and actually it's been almost six because they were placed in our home before um, before we adapted them, um, I really center myself daily. I only have to get through this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and And that really then changes me to... Okay, I have this moment. Okay, what's going right in this moment? And it's almost like my, uh, you know, the, that personal reset that I do to go, wait a minute, I'm, I'm either too far looking forward and I'm in this moment of fear, like I can't do this, this is too much. What if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't happen? Um, you know, we still struggle with our kids. This this approach doesn't change kids from ever being, you know, having a struggle. We're still living real life. I still have struggles. <laughs> um, but what this approach gives us with is that it doesn't have to be solved today, all the the issues. 
In fact, it's not about solving the issues. It's about being present and about looking at things differently and then realizing that, um, you know, we talk in the approach about being a mirror for someone else. It's really about does do my children know who they are, whether they're my adoptive or my biological children, do they know who they are? And then that becomes my charge as their mom to go, I have a moment of all the moments in every, you know, there's 24 hours in a day. I have those moments. They are my gifts that I get to speak into their life if no one else does about who they are. And that grows a child. When children know who they are, they begin to live it out and they and they begin to um, make decisions based on who they are. Um, yeah. And then if I flip the yeah. mirror to myself and say, and what am I saying to myself? What mirror am I holding up to myself? Because then it's a check, too, because I would never say some of the things to to my children, to my husband, to my friends that I'm willing to say in my head. Right. Mm-hmm. And to shift that mirror around to say, and what moment do I want to celebrate in myself right now? Um, it, it that That's a change. That is not, you know, parenting for me was more reactive, um, mm-hmm. you know, traditional parenting that, oh, if something came up, then I reacted to it. Uh, you know, I came up with a punishment or a consequence or, you know, just constant reacting. This is very empowering. I get to decide what I want to do with these moments. It becomes very proactive. Mm-hmm. And so then it, it it just it shifts the it shifts the energy it shifts the um, sense of empowerment that I have as a as a mom. So you were doing I, I, I kind of want to uh, address uh, uh, dig a little deeper with you for a second. Um, sure. Is is you know I've been trying desperately in the last few months to describe the approach to not naysayers but people who have were predis- are predisposed to other approaches professionally mm-hmm. and rigorously from a scientific framework and and I found myself failing to get through and I found myself finally saying you know you know it's it's like talking to kids on a soul level and and like uh it, it's nurturing their spirit and and you're saying you know exactly what I add to that it's like introducing them to who they are but the problem with normal parenting which you know and I'm guessing that you used normal parenting before you used nurtured hearts with these very same children is mm-hmm. is that or at least early on is that um we're introducing them to who they are but with poor timing, you know, when we're when we're right. mad at them for procrastinating, you know, or being or not making a good decision, you know, and we, you know, blurt out something like, uh, you know, why can't you be smarter? You know, we're really saying, I know you're so intelligent, and uh, mm-hmm. and and um and and or we say to kids, um, I. Uh, I know you could do it. I know you could make better. You know, I, you know. I want you to make more effort. I want you to be smarter when you make choices. Instead of the timing of here, you are making a great choice. And what that shows me about you is, you know, this is a quality. These are qualities I see in you, and these are great qualities that I want to. It's my my um, 
I, I just feel impelled to uh, compelled to point these out to you. I, I, I'd like you both to talk to that shift in energy, maybe, um, because it's so relevant with these kids. Um, you know, I can't imagine. Uh, it, it's always been beyond my imagine, like how great the people who take kids into their life are. It's, it's so, it, you know, who aren't biological, take, taking others into your family and adopting them is, is so foreign to something in me that I feel so, it's so compelling and so big for me. I applaud that so much. And um, so I'd love to hear when the rubber meets the road how that particular thing feels to both of you. You know, I think for me, one of the reasons that I just felt such a natural maybe affinity to the Nurtured Heart approach was because of my own past history in that, you know, I am myself in recovery um, with addiction, alcohol, and drugs. Um, I have 34 years currently in recovery. Um, So... I've been part of 12-step programs. I've been part of that whole philosophy of a day at a time. Sometimes the true reality is it was five minutes at a time, you know, being very much in the moment, (laughs) not worrying about what might happen or what already has happened. And so when, you know, I really started to embrace the Nurtured Heart Approach, it, it just felt right. It felt like something that was already part of, my spirit, part of my core, the idea that this is not a parenting plan or a parenting model, but rather a life plan or a life model, and that this can be used, as as Sarah was saying, it's not just for children with um, intense behaviors or negative, unacceptable, what society might call as inappropriate or unacceptable behavior, but, you know, it's for all children. It's for our coworkers. It's for our spouses. It's for our friends. And it's for us. And, Howie, when you talked about, um, you know, parenting to the spirit, or maybe it was Sarah, you know, not just parenting to the child, but parenting to their spirit, that was the shift for me. Mm-hmm. And when I also saw in my children, because many of my kids have some, you know, pretty significant intellectual disabilities due to the prenatal alcohol exposure. They've got, you know, learning disabilities, intellectual disabilities, as well as, you know, um, histories of trauma and neglect and abuse, um, genetic, you know, maybe predispositions to mental illness. So, I mean, my kids have many layers to them. But what I really also, the shift came when I realized that I could apply, I could use the nurtured heart approach no matter what my child's IQ was. I mean, this isn't something that, oh, yeah, well, you know, if they're... And when Brandon, who on paper has an IQ of 54, but when I heard him use... (laughs) the nurtured heart approach with his friends, mm. I thought, okay, mm. if my son can do this 
so can I, and so can anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really it really becomes limitless as far as it's not, you know, a lot of parenting approaches can be do this when they're in the younger years or do this when they're in the teenage years. But this is really, this kind of um, transcends that. It's it's it transcends the, if you want to do IQ, if you want to do, you know, past history, if you want to do age, this is about being in true relationship with one another. And really, this is about connecting and seeing each other for who we are rather than who we're not. And that, that goes back to that timing issue that you talk about, um, Howie, showing up at the right time in such a beautiful, present, firsthand way when we are being successful versus the traditional of we show up when we're not. You know, it's it's after, it's reactive, and so the timing is all off. So for parents who are listening who might be struggling or who are feeling that hopelessness, that despair that you guys both mentioned kind of at that pivotal place of what do we do, how did this show up in your home? So you both went to a class. Julie, you had your pediatrician go with you. How did mm-hmm. that translate into kind of early transformation? How did the kids react to it? How did that start shaping your family when you first brought it home? You know, I think that, you know, I had mixed responses. There were a couple of my children who were probably, well, they were system savvy and they had been um, kind of part and parcel of more typical therapeutic interventions, you know, talk therapy. One of them, you know, had been in some play therapy. And so I came, you know, home from that and I, you know, I had a, bo- a new book. It was right. by my chair in the living room, and I'm sitting there that night reading it. And then, you know, I started to, um, you know, to try and ignore, in in many ways, the you know the negative, but to really affirm when I saw the positive. And I remember Michael turning and looking at me, going, "Huh, you went to a class today, didn't you, Mom?" <laughs> Right, I'm on to you. (laughs) I said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I did. And, you know, Michael, I want to tell you thank you so much for giving me as many opportunities today as you have given me so that I can practice this and put it into place. And he just looked at me like, what did she just say to me? Thank you for misbehaving. Thank you for... um, And then for some of my kids, it was more... it, it just was a more seamless. They just, you know, embraced it, and it was it was fine. So there was no pushback or anything. Um, you know, for my family, I was pretty clumsy at it at first, and and yet we were very very desperate. Um, what I found is that it was very hard for my um, the two children that we adopted to hear um, the recognitions. Yeah. And so there was a lot of arguing about, no, that's not, you know, just a lot of pushback or they'd walk away. It was almost like it was falling on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first my gut was, this isn't working, you know, or mm-hmm. they would, like, scream at me to mm-hmm. stop saying that, um, you know, especially my youngest. Um, and and my two biological kids almost ate it up. Like, it was their, it was the way they were surviving, through this mm-hmm. process of, of being very dysregulated with two children with all these, you know, their world changed. To really mm-hmm. honor my two biological children, their world changed 
um, when our family made this decision to bring in, you know, two other people that were at that point six and twelve. And um, I remember I, I happened to be gifted with a, um, a wonderful therapist who was not, you know, she was open to the nurtured heart approach and really open to coaching me. And um, we ended up doing writing recognitions um, for our Chloe and getting a book. Um, and because she couldn't hear it, but she would, she would, you know, read it. And this is where you get to be really creative. There isn't a cookie cutter. Here's what you do. We're in relationship with each other. You have to, you have to look at the child and go, is the child even hearing me? <laughs> and if not, then I have to turn up the volume. And I even remember. Asking Howie, how do I notch this up? How do I, I need my children to hear me? And you know, you get really relentless about going. This is about relationship, and I will be warrior stance on getting this relationship with this child. And for me, my pivotal moment was, um, you know, children that don't attach, really hard, you know, connect with their parents, or often, you know, they have this superficial attachment with anyone, they'll go with anybody else, and, and, you know, they're ready to leave at a minute's notice, and, you know, six months in, that was our our Chloe, she was just fine going with anybody, and was more than happy to announce whose home she was ready to live with, and I remember having a moment with her where, um, you know, she she took the, the note pad, and she wrote, I hate you, I do not love you. And I remember going, man, I'm working so hard. And I just had that moment in my, my spirit to go, no, I am, I'm on, I'm in. And I wrote back to her a recognition of, you know, actually, no, I didn't, I didn't write it. I said it. I looked her in the eye and I said it. I said to her, I said, I know, I hear you that you, you hate me, but I will love you and I'm not going anywhere and I will see what's right about you and I will keep telling you what's right about you. And it was like there was just this moment that she turned and I could see her pause and she took up her pen and she wrote again, she says, I love you, I do not hate you. And mm. she handed it to me. And I'm like, yes, this breaks down. This isn't a this isn't something we're doing to children. We are being in relationship with him. This is how healing happens. It's rewriting a new story, a new level of connection. Um, you know, for my son who was 12 when he came, it was when at 16 he decided to call me mom. Mm-hmm. You don't have 16-year-olds starting to call you mom when they've come from adoptive homes. Of, I've been in seven foster homes and now you're just one more mom and I remember yeah. him telling me when he came in, um, you know, we said, now we're your, your forever family. And he later told me, he goes, all I could think was liar. Mm. Yeah. Wow. All the portfolios and, and that wow. come with this. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm hearing is somehow you had the presence of mind and maybe the method of Nurtured Heart gave you a little boost to that to reach yep. in those two moments um, where you can go, I hear you saying uh, I was a liar, and and that, and then you add on, or to Chloe, I hear you saying that you don't love me, which I can't imagine how, how, how you were feeling inside at the moment, and in the midst of that, then saying what you said, which was magnificent. Mm-hmm. And... Um, in, in in being able to, it's like what happens on the other side of the reset. 
It's it's like yeah. this fantastic vantage point of being able to see the the playing field and the line and saying, you know, telling kids the truth when they're not on the line and when they haven't exceeded the line, but it looks like you're, you know, it looks like you're mad, but you haven't lashed out at me. You haven't said any bad words. Right. And then if they do, you, you know, I don't love you, Mom, you know, um, then then you, you know, you, you, in that case, you reset you. And then on mm-hmm. the other side of it, you were able to say something stunning that got that breakthrough. Yeah, and it, it, you stop listening to the words and you start being in relationship because the yeah. words are sometimes triggers. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you know, my kids would yell at me, I hate you. I, 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 okay. <laughs> and I could be really upset about that and I could spend all my time thinking about that. But what it really communicated was something very different. And this is looking underneath the words of, right. will you be the one that sticks by me? Will you really love me? Right. And then how does that translate? It translates to every moment of seeing them as as who they are and the brilliance of who they are and that they're a survivor and they're not a broken person. Mm. That's the shift. Right. And then, yeah. then you use that energy to propel you to the next moment of just relentlessly going, I'm not sure you see who you are, so let me hold up another mirror. Oh, here's another mm-hmm. one. <laughs> Right. And it, it fuels your tenacity. Uh, right. I, I, I am in awe of your tenacity. And um, uh, can you give our listeners a couple of examples of actual um, actual statements you will make in those moments that that um, that reflect what you're um, what you're uh, saying? Hmm. <laughs> on the spot, something I've said recently. Um, well, I'll be you know, Chloe. My... Chloe. Chloe. Chloe is now not yelling, and she had been. Uh, she's reset this moment. What, what might you say to Chloe? Oh, she's not yelling in this moment. Well, I'm. Yeah. I'm typically reflecting. You know, I'll say something like, "You know, I can tell you're really upset, and look at you using." amazing self-control even when you have these really strong feelings and i know you want to run away from mom and i know you you want to you know cut me off but here you are staying right here mm-hmm. and i love mm. that you're letting me in and i love that you're still looking at me it tells me how much you love me and how much i love you that we're still here together Mm. You know, again, it's just, it's taking, it's hard to pull it out in the moment because these moments just come up all the time. You yeah, know, with that was my, pretty good, Sarah. <laughs> you know, my, my son, it's, you know, he's he's older and I remember, you know, teenagers, people say, will this work on a teenager? Well, I never in my life dreamed that I would take on a 12-year-old. I really didn't. Mark and I weren't looking yeah. to take on an almost teenager. And it's so interesting. He shoved a his his grade underneath a test underneath my door one night, and I'm I'm very you know extroverted. So I'm like I open I see it. It's an A. I come out. I'm like, oh my goodness, Caleb! I need to tell you about your greatness. <laughs> and he's he's like he's more introverted, and that's like almost like I I call it fire hosing him. And he was like, um, yeah, I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thank you for being honest with me that you weren't ready to hear it. 
and I kind of, you know, walk back to my to the bedroom, and I kid you not, a few, you know, moments later, he comes up right behind me. He goes, "Okay, just tell me." <laughs> I'm like, I love that I get to tell you. <laughs> so even when kids like push you away, it's staying present with the moment of going. It's okay. I can shift to the next moment. It's okay. I'm not going to let my heart get hurt. I'm just going to be okay with them not being able to hear it right now, but I put it out there that I see it. Whether I say it or not, I still see it. And so, again, it's that level of flexibility as a, as, as a mom to not let the words get you derailed and offline. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I would love to shift over to Julie if it would be okay with you guys. I know, yes, Julie, you have this incredible professional hat that we haven't even touched on, and I know that you are going to be speaking at the Global Summit on this very topic, but if you could just take a few moments to talk about how did Nurtured Heart integrate into what you came to know be exactly what these kiddos with FASD need in their world? So, you know, number one, irregardless of an etiology of a disability, I mean, if, or anything like that, um, I believe personally that all human beings need to be treated with dignity, they need to be given respect, mm-hmm. and they need to be, you know, and, and they will eventually at least come to accept and absorb. I so agree, though, with Sarah in that many children coming from foster care into either foster homes or adopted homes are so uncomfortable with this idea of being praised and given you know, all of these kind of, I like the term, you know, fire, that you're fire hosing them, but, um, and so the first time that I came to a advanced training down in Tucson and somebody said to me that acknowledgement is a good thing as well and that, you know, just acknowledging back to them, I see you used a lot of blue on your picture rather than expounding for you know, minutes or what may feel like hours to these kids about what the most beautiful picture that you've ever seen in your life and you're going to make copies of it and you're going to send it to Grandma and put it in the Everett Herald on Sunday morning and you're going to make it your Christmas card, you know, whatever. Instead, you know, just acknowledging and saying, wow, you used a lot of blue on your picture. That was one shift, you know, for us. And knowing that um, I could... By staying in the moment, I can refine this and individualize this for not just every one of my children, but for every day for every one of my children because mm. it's always different. Um, as far as with you know, prenatal alcohol exposure, some of the classic um, kind of outcomes beyond the physiological changes that you know prenatal exposure can Um, in part including heart defects or facial features or other things. Um, But the one thing that, you know, prenatal alcohol exposure seems to do in most individuals is it affects the central nervous system. It affects the brain itself. It changes the, not only the structure of the brain, but it changes the hardwiring of the brain. And so when families who with all good intent take in children into their home believing that if you just love a child enough, if you, you know, just give them stimulus, if you give them opportunity, all of that, that you will be able to fix and, you know, 
take away all of the, you know, past experiences, so on and so forth. And yet, if you are dealing with a brain that has a hardwiring difference, whether it is, you know, at a gross structural level, which we can sometimes see on MRIs, you know, from prenatal exposure, you can actually see the structural changes, or it could be at the level of dendrites and ganglion and synaptical connections, or it could be at the level of chemicals and and chemistry. So there's a, you know, a variety of outcomes. Um, But typically many of the um, many of the outcomes are um, impacts on the frontal lobe. Okay, well, in the frontal lobe, there's your decision-making, your judgment, okay. your executive functioning, your li- you know, linking cause and effect, your ability to organize. Um, a lot of times there's issues around receptive language differences and often some sensory processing differences as well. How do you, you know, take in sensory information um, and process that for a, um, you know, functional application of those sensory, of that sensory input? And so you roll all of that together along with, you know, just for, for the heck of it, let's throw in a liberal dose of impulsivity and distractibility and, you know, maybe some hyperactivity. And then... Because many, many, many of the children who are exposed prenatally to alcohol also may have other prenatal factors, but certainly often have other postnatal environmental impacts like foster care, abuse, trauma, um, you know, being in multiple placements or multiple homes, um, being in educational settings where people don't understand and they don't provide you know, appropriate programs or expectations, but rather begin to label these children as being willfully disobedient, manipulative, naughty, lazy, you know, all of those kind of negative labels. Um, And that to me is, again, the beauty of the nurtured heart approach because for very little financial um back, you know, income. I mean, you don't have to put a lot of money into this. You don't have to have fancy tools. You don't need to have, um, a, you know, a great amount of time to focus, at least initially. You know, you don't. it's not like you have to block out three months of your life to say, okay, for the next three months, we are going to live it, breathe it, eat it. But if you've only got five minutes to spare that day, five minutes works. Right. So that was a beautiful summary. Well, I I hope that people are listening and they're thinking about the Global Summit and they're thinking about checking marking the the spot for your talk because you have so much incredible wisdom to impart on folks that are dealing with these really, really amazing and and intense kids. They're wired, hardwired to be intense. Um, I cannot even believe I have to say that our time has already come to an end. Before we wrap up, um, I really want to take a moment to invite listeners to become followers of the Nurture Heart Approach channel on Blog Talk Radio. There's Twitter, there's Facebook following icons that you can click as well. Anybody wanting to learn more about Nurture Heart Approach can go on to childrensuccessfoundation.com and enroll for a free Nurture Heart Approach e-course. We do have the certification training intensive, the CTI, and the Global Summit coming up in January. Please consider coming down and immersing yourself in this approach. 
um, if you are an adoptive parent or working with adoptive parents. Next month, um, and I will come back to you, ladies, but next month we have a, a guest host. We'll have Josh, I believe it's Kirsten, if that's right, Howie, who will yes. be sharing space with me on December 19th. We're going to talk to Karen Clayton and Tanya Frazier about Nurture Heart Approach and bullying. So there's our housekeeping. Oh. Back to you two. Oh, my goodness. This conversation could just go on and on. Yeah, there's Howie. a lot to say, well, isn't it? Is there? Um, a wealth of wisdom, both of you, and um, uh, I, um, I know you've been called to uh, by your kids by the level of of um, <clears throat> of challenge in your kids to take this to such a high level and to reach so deep and to be so present. It's so evident in all you've been saying. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Last parting words. You know, it's a beautiful journal. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a beautiful journey, and and it's you know it's um, it's not always an easy journey, but there's so much joy to be found, and it is such a gift. I I tell people all the time. I am so gifted. You know, people people think that you know our kids could, should be thanking us that they're adopted. I am so grateful mm-hmm. that I get to be their mom. It's really the other way around because I'm a better person because they came into my life. And I, I found agree, a better version of me that I wouldn't mm-hmm. have found without intensity. And that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, wow. I agree. If you had a foster mama sitting right here or a foster father and you were looking them in the eyes, what would you tell them? If they're, if they're wishing in the heart, I want to be where you are now. It starts with one moment. Mm-hmm. It just starts one with moment, one moment. One moment, one step. One moment, one yep. child. You know, you don't have to fire hose yourself or anybody else today. Just today, commit to saying one thing. Be radically appreciative of one thing. And then maybe tomorrow it's two moments. <laughs> you know, baby step yourself. Shamu yourself. You've got to lower the rope so you can have success with this too. You know, I, I, don't, I haven't arrived. I'm still on a journey also, and I have to take every moment that comes my way also. It's, it's about just starting. Right? Just one. Just one. And then watch the eyes of the person receiving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then feel that deeply and go, hmm, is this the kind of relationship I've been waiting for? Yeah. I agree. One day, one child, one step. You know, that's, and that's where you start. Mm-hmm. Mm, Julie and Sarah, uh, thank you both so much. Mm-hmm. I think you have the makings of a song there. Uh, <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> one day. Who's going to take that on? One <laughs> Sarah, you have the guitar, I, I understand. My son Brandon is quite the musician. I'll give yes, him those lyrics and ask him to yes. start working on that. I'll yeah. Yeah, yeah. One day, one step, one child. I love it. I think you yeah. you got a hit song there. And I know Sarah has a choir of kids who could sing it. Yeah, I do work with a lot of wonderful children. <laughs> right. I seem to be able to rally them up to sing about greatness. Um, a, well, happy National Adoption it. Month 
to all of you guys. Oh, thank you thank so you. much. Congratulations yeah. on your anniversaries to your families. Um, I adore you both. I am I am so honored to know you, and thank you. Thank you for sharing you today. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you very much. Both. I so love you much. guys uh, very much. I'll be looking forward to seeing, hopefully, all of you in January. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Have a fantastic day, everybody. Have a fantastic day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Any stories shared in this broadcast are amalgams of experiences based on the use of the Nurtured Heart Approach by our hosts and our guests and are not based on any particular person, child, or adult.